Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us. We want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the bastards of Boston baseball. You can find us on Twitter at bastards underscore Boston. I'm your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode are Terry Cushman coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine, and Cody Paulson coming to us from Houston, Texas by way of Ponte Vedra, Florida. Cody, how are you doing and where can the fans find you on Twitter? Hello, everybody. I'm doing very well. Just wrapped up another series victory in Chicago, so that always makes the, the night a little bit sweeter. Uh, the fans can, everybody can come yell at me on Twitter at the Cody Paulson. Terry, Charlie, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. Terry, how are you doing? Where can the fans find you? I am doing absolutely splendid, as always. And uh, also, as always, I can be found at Cushman MLB. Fantastic. And to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us for another episode of Totally Legit or Calling the Cops. First on the hit parade, Mike Trout gets traded this coming offseason. Is this totally legit or are you calling the cops, Mr. Paulson? The baseball fan in me wants to say I'm calling the cops. But reading the tea leaves, reading the way that, uh, I guess, baseball media pressure has been recently, I got to say this is totally legit. The people, the masses, everybody's been on uh, the Angels to, to blow it up, to sell. The Rendon contracts, the worst one since the Pujols contract, which was the worst one since the Hamilton contract. Time and again, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim or whatever – can't seem to get this right. They can't figure out how to put a winning team in October uh, or even get to October for that matter. The fact that Mike Trout has only played one uh, postseason series is a travesty. I think they get him out of there. They try to get as much as they can while they still can. You know, he has that spinal stenosis. He just had the hammock bone fracture. Um, you know, Terry loves talking about guys that are injury prone. He's going to be one of the ones at the top of the list. Um, and so, you know, Got to get it while the getting's good, and that might be this offseason. Uh, you know, they find ways, creative ways, albeit, to lose games. Um, if they flip Shohei Otani at the deadline, I think it's all but the nail in the coffin that Trout's going to be gone in the fall. So totally legit. I think Trout's gone. I think the Angels are going to be stripped down to the studs, and they're going to try to rebuild it by hook or by crook. Terry. Doing some math here on the fly. He is owed $37 million over the next seven years. So that uh, works out to be... He'll be on... Whichever team that acquires him potentially could be on the hook for $259 million of uh, salary remaining for Mike Trout, uh, which will take him from his uh, age 32 season through his age 38 season. So boldly assuming the Angels will be eating some money on that if they trade him. But I think Mike Trout is going to flat out demand a trade. 
imagine if he doesn't. He's going to be playing for Oakland in 2024, probably going to be a last place team despite Charlie picking them for like the sixth year in a row to win the AL West. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Charlie's laughing his ass off right now. Um, but yeah, so he's not going to want to be sitting on that last place team while Shohei becomes the god that Mike Trout used to be. Uh, and Shohei will be on a bona fide championship contender, probably a first place team, especially if it's the Dodgers. And Mike Trout's still in lowly Anaheim. I think he's going to want out. Nolan Arenado, another guy wanted out of Colorado, kind of forced his way out. Um, I think Mike Trout has all the leverage here, and I think he's going to be playing for another team. Now, who could that be? You know, perhaps the Phillies. You know, the dynamics are interesting. I don't think it's going to be the massive haul that most people think it would be to get a guy like Trout. As Cody mentioned, very injury prone, hasn't played a full season in a while. He's out with a hamate injury. He'll be out four to eight weeks with that, and probably no one's going to want him at this year's deadline, but somebody will want Mike Trout, especially if it's at a discount from the $259 million he is owed, and I think he's gone. I think he will move on and uh, finally you know, get to play in October. Whether he shows up or not, that's another thing. I think a lot of things are going to happen. Um, Shohei is gone. It is going to take a, I mean, real pipe dream for the Angels to get out from under the Mike Trout deal. I don't want to say conclusively that all of Mike Trout's best years are behind him. I mean, he's not stealing bases anymore like he once did. He just doesn't do that anymore. I mean, we're talking about, the fact that he was once the very first 30-50 guy with 30 homers and 50 RBIs in his second major league season, his first full major league season, and um, has has really only had like a couple of years where the stats are just ridiculous. Even though he's been an MVP winner three times, he's been a, a runner-up three or four times. He's been one of the better players in Major League Baseball over the last decade, and it's not something you can dispute because numbers do not lie. The guy is setting himself up to be a a shoo-in for Cooperstown, but I don't know if he has any opt-outs in this deal. If I'm not mistaken, I, I don't think he has it. I think he has full no trade. I'm trying to go through it right now. Yeah, he has full no trade protection, so... He could outright ask for a trade, and I definitely see that happening. And if that happens, if you're the Los Angeles Los Angeles Angels, you lost Otani. You lost Mike Trout. In that time, they got zero career playoff victories. If you're Artie Moreno to save face, you have to sell your team. You've just got to do it at this point. You clearly don't know what you're doing. Your team doesn't want to play for you. I think it's time. So absolutely, it's it's going to happen one way or the other. You definitely lost one of your two superstars. Whether or not you receive a full package for him remains to be determined, but God only knows. With, with Mike Trout, I think it's 
it's a possibility that he's also gone. So totally legit there. Uh, Terry. Yeah, just super quick. I can't remember which episode I mentioned this on recently, but the Miami Marlins sold for like 1.2 million. Okay. Now, if Shohei were to get 500 million from the Angels, it's not going to happen, but just hypothetically, he's worth half of a baseball team, roughly, almost. So I'm just wondering if, you know, the Angels put the team on the market, had discussions with people, and then decided, okay, we're not going to sell. If they move on from Otani and the the massive deal that he was is going to command and then they move on from Mike Trout they're going to have very little money on their books. I mean, I don't I don't think they're committed to anyone long term. It's all a bunch of young kids or or short short-term deals. Maybe then the team becomes more sellable to a prospective uh buyer. So We'll see. Another interesting thing, too, unrelated to Trout, I think Angel Stadium would be included, if I'm not mistaken. I'm assuming the Angels own the stadium, so I could be wrong. I can look into that while we're uh, doing the next take. Uh, We can come back to that one in a second. Um, Number two on Totally Legit or Calling the Cops, Cody, will the Cardinals actually trade Nolan Arenado? To me, this is the flip side of what we were just talking about with the Angels, right? Um, you know, the Angels ownership, leadership, front office is like, oh, we're not going to sell. We're going to continue to try to figure this out and build a team. Um, and, you know, they haven't exactly sold off pieces in the past, whereas the Cardinals are openly talking about, oh, yeah, dudes are out of here. We can't re- wait to get rid of guys. You know, Flaherty, Montgomery, Arnado, Goldschmidt, whomever, they're all on the table. Uh, so it's hard for me not to to take that at face value. We have no reason not to believe the front office. We have no reason um, not to think they wouldn't be sellers at the deadline. I mean, talk about disappointing teams. Um, this has to be one of the few that were at the top of the list or uh, a, a top of the short list, rather. You know, I think basically everybody on this podcast, except for Terry, you know, take your victory lap now. Um picked the Cardinals to to win the central running away. We're like, oh man, this one's easy, set and forget it. This is a 91 team, you know, sleepwalking their way through through the central. And you know, they just laid egg after egg after egg. And so, you know, um, if this team can't get it done in that division, there's no reason for them not to recoup as much value as they can with players like Arenado and Goldschmidt and the pitching staff that they have in the prime uh that they are. So uh, I think this one is also totally legit. I think Arnado is out of there. I'm going to also say that it's totally legit as well. Um, I haven't seen any quotes from Arenado demanding a trade like he essentially did in Colorado. So I'll put that out there for what it's worth. But I think he's trying to win. And I think the Cardinals, unlike the Rockies, did put their best foot forward. Maybe they could have added another piece or two to the rotation, but you know, they've, I think they've made an honest effort to make a deep postseason run. And, you know, Arenado would have been a big part of that, but this is definitely a lost season. And, uh, looking at what, um, Arenado is owed, it's nowhere near as bad as Mike Trout. He's owed 
35 million next season, but 5 million of that will be paid by the Rockies. 32 million the season after that. Again, 5 million of that will be paid by the Rockies. 27 million uh, the season after that. Again, 5 million of that will be paid by the Rockies. And then I think this last season was actually added on um, after he was traded. Uh, to the Cardinals, but um, he's just owed $15 million uh, in the fourth and final season um, of what remains of his contract. And that's only his age 36 season as well. So uh, Trouts takes him through age, uh, you know, 38. We, we've seen Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, you know, their deals taking them into their age 40 seasons and beyond. So it's somewhat of a palatable deal for a mid to, uh, you know, bigger market team. And um, who wouldn't want a guy like Nolan Arenado? Gold glove defender. One of the best third defensive third basemen we've ever seen. Uh, nobody wants to win a championship more than, than Nolan. So I, I think there will be suitors uh, for sure. Uh, for him, and I hope he ends up on a team that I like because I said at the start of the last show, or uh, you know, or the the Cubs show, I think we're in for an exciting month of October. So we'll see what happens. But totally legit, Arenado gets dealt. It's going to be crazy if we see Nolan Arenado get moved, I think, a second time because I thought this was going to be a lifer in Colorado. When he ended up making the move to St. Louis, they add Paul Goldschmidt. I'm like, my God, you got a ridiculous set of cats at the hot corners playing in St. Louis now. Not two guys that were, were playing here for a very long time. And very quickly, as Cody talked about, this was – the uh, if you're not a professional golfer, just try to make the putt. It's literally six inches away. You either have a choice of putting it and picking the Cardinals or getting a hole in one and picking any other team in the NL Central. Everyone picked Cardinals except for one team. Terry Cushman, damn it, that was the guy. I will say this much. If the Cardinals actually trade uh, Nolan Arenado, I do think this is legit because – this has been absolute dumpster fire. There are teams that are absolutely letting it up in the central. Um, the Cincinnati Reds have refound themselves. Joey Votto's hitting home runs, which is a huge surprise. He was never like the, the big banger that he is now all of a sudden. Not hitting for average, but still hitting a lot of home runs. And Ellie De La Cruz, who has probably, which is insane to me, has supplanted the other NL Central's uh, kind of darling at short who unfortunately was injured for the year, uh, which was the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates shortstop phenom. Uh, no relation to to that cruise, but um, just absolutely insane. So at this point, yeah, I think it's totally legit. I think Arnaud does get moved. Terry, go ahead. I think you had one more thing to add. Yeah, just looking uh, at the standings now and you know who could potentially be in the market uh, for a third baseman, one team in the AL East has Josh Donaldson playing third base. Just saying. And and they're they're a very you know power production starved team. I'm talking about the New York Yankees. So 
That's one team to certainly uh, keep an eye on. I wonder if they would put a guy like Anthony Volpe in that deal. Probably not. I'm, uh, I'm not just, Volpe. Peraza, okay. maybe. I think Peraza could go because Volpe, they're, they're, they put all their chips in on that basket. Imagine that team. Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, Nolan Arenado for your three guns right there, assuming all three are, are back to being healthy. Giancarlo Stanton just hit a mammoth shot recently as well. And then maybe if all things go right and Carlos Rodon figures it out and gets off from being injured, match him with Garrett Cole. Yeah. New York could be good again. That could, that could really happen. Uh, Terry. Yeah. And just a couple more. Um, I don't know how motivated the Seattle Mariners would be. I think they got Eugenio Suarez playing third. So certainly would be an upgrade there. Another team, I think this will be a somewhat longer shot because their payroll is kind of high and their farm isn't ranked very well. But the Philadelphia Phillies with Dave Dombrowski, could they make a deal like that and, you know, just move on from Alec Bohm? I, I can't rule it out with a guy like Dombrowski. And then I haven't looked at the San Francisco Giants depth chart, but, you know, maybe maybe they would be interested as well. But those those teams, I, I think, make make the most sense as far as a destination for him. Cody, anything else you want to add? Right on. We will move on to number three. Red Sox will make a play at an elite or top shelf starting pitcher over the offseason, whether it be Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, or Mr. Giolito in Chicago. Is that totally legit? Or are you calling the cops, Cody? I have to say this is totally legit. I think there has been a lot of fair criticisms of Heim Bloom's tenure here in Boston. I think there have been a lot of unfair criticisms of his tenure as well. But one of the most fair is the inability to build a starting rotation, to get a front-end starter, um, you know, a guy that you can use as a stopper, a game one in a playoff uh, series. And, you know, in years past, I've kind of done a little bit of a dive into it. There haven't really been a ton of pitchers that we could have gone after without throwing the proverbial bag at. And some of the players that have gotten those proverbial bags haven't panned out well. You look at Scherzer, you look at Verlander, you look at um, Rendon, um, you know, DeGrom for that matter, right? Uh, this offseason, I think, you know, you are starting to see some of those players that are hitting unrestricted free agency at ages that would make sense to start giving out some of those longer deals. Um, you know, those three players that Charlie mentioned, uh, Nola, um, Giolito and Snell are all under age 31. I think it's 30 and a half at the, at the oldest. And another name I think we can keep an eye on is Yoshinobu Yamamoto. And I apologize if I'm uh, brutalizing that name, but he, coming over from the Japan League at only 24 years old, that guy's been lights out over there. Um, I think there is no way that if Bloom survives this season, he doesn't add a front-end starter. So I got to say, totally legit, the Red Sox make a play. I have to lean towards totally legit as well. Um, if, you know, the GM or president of baseball ops, whatever you want to call the title, if, if that person is not Bloom, I'm even more confidently totally legit there. Um, but, 
you know, looking at the the present circumstances, we're under the luxury tax. We were not last year, so we are this year. So that will reset the tax. So you can make a splash. Um, off the top of my head, I mean, I don't know who's really coming off the books. Um, I mean, we got a lot of short-term deals. Sale will still be here for one year, so we still have that money. But, but it, it does make sense that you know the Red Sox go after someone. The only thing that gives me pause is I expected an upgrade this year. You know, I didn't expect Garrett Richards 2.0 with Corey Kluber, and that's what we got. You know, with with Bloom, like he has yet to be truly successful in, in signing one free agent starting pitcher. There's no success yet in the Bloom era. You you. You got close with Waka, but he was injured, and uh, he also happens to be injured now with the Padres with shoulder uh, inflammation. So we can stop criticizing Bloom for not going after Waka at this point uh, for this season, but they have to go after someone. And looking through the starters, I want no part of Blake Snell. Cody and I were talking about that uh, before coming on. He differs a little bit from me, but. You know, he's a Tampa guy. We kind of went through that with David Price. Um, Snell, not the best record of durability either. Uh, so he's just, there, there's some red flags with him uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, looking at the baseball savant pages for Lucas Giolito and, and Aaron Nola, Nola's still one of the best pitchers in the league. Uh, it'll be next year, will be his age 31 season. Giolito will be um, will be 30 next season. So I'm just wondering what kind of deals are they going to command? Are they going to go north of 200? I think Nola could and that would make me nervous, I guess. but if you if if for some reason you can get Nola on a five or six year deal uh, less than 30 million, I think that's a that's a okay. That's a everything's risky, but that that's a risk that I would take. And then if you could get Giolito on say a contract similar to what Kevin Gosman got, which was five years, one hundred and ten million, something like that, um, I, I would certainly pay that for a guy like Giolito. So uh, I'll say totally legit for now. The only pitcher that I would consider from the group that you listed is Aaron Nola. I don't want Blake Stell. I don't trust anything that San Diego has to offer. I don't want to play in their sandbox. I don't want to play with their toys. I think their GM is a piece of garbage. I don't ever want to deal with him ever again. That being said, Lucas Giolito, Mr. Giolito in Chicago, is not really having a really, really great year. It doesn't help that you have that kind of sad team behind him. But Nola, as Terry mentioned, has been one of the most consistent guys out there. He's getting $16 million right now. He's a teammate making, I think, 23 or 24. Zach Wheeler's getting something like that. I forget his, the terms of his actual deal. But if you're getting Aaron Nola, it's probably going to cost you six years and $186 to $192 million. He's probably going to get $31 or $32 million a year. I don't think he's going to sign for anything less than 30 I think he knows his value, and I think if Boston is willing to get somebody like that, you eliminate the idea that we, you know, aren't really looking for starting pitchers. And if you can get 
a Chris Sale, Aaron Nola, Brian Bayo, uh, James Paxson if he stays, who knows, um, with, you know, a, a couple other arms in there. You know, we're still waiting to get one of our guys back, Tanner Houck, after he took a ball to the face. I think you have a really good shot at at getting some magic to happen. You know, I, you know, it's interesting that we talk about like top tier guys. I wonder if, you know, so, so that being said, yes, totally legit. I think the Red Sox will go after one of these guys. One of the names that isn't top tier, but has been having a really, really good year is one of our former pitchers that took almost a year away from major league baseball. And that's Mr. Rodriguez. And he's kind of having a little bit of a good year. Um, if you look at it right now, uh, I'm going to take a look. Erod is what? Sub three still? Yeah, two point seven ERA, um, and having a really really good year in relation to what he did in Boston. He's he's lowered his ERA over two full runs over nine innings. So I'm curious to see if maybe you know that whole year in 2020 that he took off and and everything playing for a not real contender in Detroit, maybe it might make him shift his mind about maybe forcing his way out of Detroit and back to Boston. What, what a package would look to, like to get somebody like him. Cause I mean, he, he's been our guy for a really long time. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he was the, well, I think we got him for the Andrew Miller. Did, didn't, didn't he come over for that deal? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be interested to see even something like that. Like maybe we don't have to go crazy, crazy and sign a, a $180, $200 million starting pitcher again because we've already done that and hasn't worked out so well. Um, maybe we get something like that via trade that, you know, already signed a deal with another team, but after a couple of years, it's not working out. We want to get maybe bring him back. Thoughts, ideas, Terry. I would. I was always an Erod guy, uh, you know, big game pitcher. Um, but there was whispers of a rift between him and Cora and I think maybe Cora was probably in the right as far as that went you know keeping him motivated staying you know staying on him but Erod did kind of take some shots at his press conference in Detroit and he's said that he's happy to be on a team that that's got some solid defense around him. And <laughs> I don't think, uh, you know, if Erod was on the Red Sox in 2023, he would be loving the defense, <laughs> you know, Kike for most of the season, Devers, Casas, you know, just not, not good defense. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's a fit in that regard, but I wouldn't mind. Uh, I certainly wouldn't mind having him back. And the other interesting thing is you're kind of, in a way, bailing out the Tigers from that deal. For them, it's more of a money dump. They're not getting this huge haul. Um, so you could kind of keep, you know, all of your... You're not giving up a top five or even a top seven or eight prospect for a guy like Erod. You're, you're just not. So, you know, that's what makes it doable. And But the one wrinkle here is... He's got an opt-out, and I think he's going to be owed something like $49 million after the season. Now, looking at that, that that's a big number for a guy like Erod, I think. You know, it would be a small number for, you know, some of the guys we just previously talked about. But um, so it, you, you would wonder how that would factor into it. 
If you're not giving up, uh, you know, serious prospects, you're probably fine if he opts out. Um, I would love to have him beyond that, though. <laughs> you know, the remaining three or four years. So, uh, yeah, it's, he's got, it's interesting. He, yeah, I mean, he has. He's getting paid not crazy money. He's getting paid forty nine million, like you mentioned, after this year for three years. Not crazy money for a starting pitcher. 49, you divide that by three, that's a hair over what you were paying for Nate Evaldi. Right. So when you look when you look at it, you, you lose Nate Evaldi, you get Erod. That's pretty much a kind of, you know, you're, you're not it, it's like even for, for me in in that regard. Erod, like you mentioned, does have an opt-out. Um now because of the time away that he took from the team. That does it. That's not going to add time to like the Tigers don't own rights to him for another year. The opt out still pops out after 2023. So maybe the Red Sox are able to to work a deal and get him for something similar to what he was getting paid. You know, 18, 16, 15. Maybe they just give him a clean 17.5 for three straight years and give him 50, 52 and a half, 53 million for three years. That could be it. One, yeah. one other nugget uh, unrelated to Erod that I, I pulled up, uh, Nolan Arenado, Nolan, <laughs> I don't even have the right name, um, Aaron Nola, <laughs> Philly's starting pitcher, um, he rejected a five-year, $100 million extension. So that's what that was Dombrowski's play for Nola. Uh, I think we can all agree he's going to get north of that, but I just wonder what what his ceiling, you know, really is in terms of, um, you know, what his contract will be this winter. It will remain to be determined. We will wait and see. Um, moving right along, number four, Cody, totally legit or calling the cops. Bobby Dahlbeck will be a starting first baseman for a playoff team. Oh, now, if you had told me he'd be a first baseman or a player on a playoff team, I think I would say totally legit. But a starting first baseman for an MLB playoff team, I got to call the cops. Now, Bobby Dahlbeck is a player that has absolutely torn the cover off the ball in AAA this year. Uh, across 63 games, he's hitting 304, 21 home runs, 49 RBIs, 11 uh, doubles. Two triples, uh, you know, I was cutting down on the strikeouts per per Bobby's expectation. And all of, I mean, much like we talked about with Tristan Cassis and much like we saw with Bobby's home runs in the MLB, when he connects, they're not cheap ones. They are destroyed. Um, I think he's a player that maybe another team takes a flyer on if, you know, he's the third player or, a, you know, a high minor league player, debatable major league fringe guy. Um, but I don't think he's going to be able to crack the roster as the starting first baseman for a major league team. So I am calling the cops. Terry. I am going to say that that is totally legit. And I am attempting right now to place him on a team that I keep seemingly talking about uh, this whole episode um, why not the Phillies? Why not the Phillies? It's not going to cost a lot to get Bobby Dahlbeck. It's really not. It won't even be a top 10 prospect. 
You got Alec Bohm at third base. Let's see, how's he doing? Well, he's doing pretty good. He's hitting 282 with nine home runs. So he's not going to be playing third. And the question really was whether or not he'd be playing first base. Let's see, Derek Hall is the starting first baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies. He's hitting 174 right now with a 469 OPS. This sounds like a team that might be interested in Bobby Dahlbeck just as a flyer. Put him there for the rest of the season. You'll get decent defense from him, and he's going to run into a few home runs regardless of how well he's doing, how consistent he is. Um, So I I think Bobby Dahlbeck might be a Philadelphia Philly uh, in the coming days. I actually think – so I'm going to say this is – I'm calling the cops. I, I think everyone's like, well, we don't need another guy in the minors to keep mashing home runs, even if they are, Cody, 450 footer. How, how far was it? 450. Bomb. Moonshot. Yeah. Yeah. So the Los Angeles Angels have an outfielder, Joe Dell, who had a home run that was like 505 feet, and he's still rotting in AAA. So I'm not buying it. I think if I'm the Phillies right now, I start looking at ideas to move Bohm back to first, and add Nolan Arenado. I think that could be interesting. And I see a little smirk, the little smile you got, Terry. I think that is what moves the Phillies into that next caliber team right there. When you bring a superstar third baseman into that team, you mix them with Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos. That is a mashing squad adding Nolan Arenado is going to like drastically change the outcome of that team right there. You know, Bobby Dahlbeck is not going to do it. Nolan Arenado does though. I think if you're going to move the chips, you think about who you have for a GM. He doesn't care about who he shells in the farm system. Get a player like Nolan Arenado and you immediately make Philadelphia, that city of brotherly love, the city of opportunity for playoffs and beyond. That's my two cents there. T. Just to watch the Bluminati cry, cry and cry and cry and cry over that deal. I would love to see it. I still feel like Brian Cashman will be the more motivated one of those two to to pull the trigger on that. So we'll see. Bobby Dahlbeck doesn't cost them anything. Nolan Adro, it, it could hurt a little, but it is Dave Dombrowski. So we'll see. For sure. It's definitely going to be interesting. Anything else you want to add, Cody? All right. Last but not least, number five on Totally Legit or Calling the Cops, is Alex Verdugo a trade candidate? Cody, yes or no? Totally Legit or Calling the Cops? I've got to call the cops here. Um, Unless Alex Cora personally packs the bags of Alex Verdugo and you know, takes him on a flight somewhere, there's no way you can get this man off the team. I understand that we have a lot of depth in the outfield at the current moment, but he is the heart and soul of the Boston Red Sox at the current moment. He is the player that Kike thought he was going to be coming into the season and talked loudly about becoming uh, in the season. You know, Verdugo is the one that has been openly challenged by Cora. He has taken the ire of Alex Cora, replaced Erod, Um, as the punching bag of the roster. And for all accounts and measure, 
thrived in that role. You know, lots of extra base hits, uh, lots of great defensive plays, throwing out runners at the plate, um, you know, late inning heroics, block off victories. I mean, the guy has done it all and, you know, for whatever reason, couldn't get in the all-star game. Um, if the Red Sox trade Verdugo, it's got to be for top-end starting pitching that is controllable or, you know, maybe we do a little bit of that tampering weak wink where we trade for a player knowing that we're going to be able to extend them kind of thing. Um, if the Red Sox trade Verdugo for a package that doesn't make sense, it'll be very disappointing and very disheartening. So I am going to call the cops. I do not think he is a trade candidate. Terry. I'm also going to call the cops. Um, we have enough outfield depth, like Cody said, to to make it make a little bit of sense that it could happen. And I, I would put it I would put the percentage at maybe 20 percent. And I think that's high. I think 20% some people would would find to be high. There's just something about him that I don't think the Red Sox love. I, I I don't know what that is, but I just feel like why hasn't he been extended by now? Most teams would extend Alex Verdugo, you know, with the production he's given you, especially where it's not even going to cost an arm and a leg. You're not you're not talking about a massive extension here. So it's curious that it hasn't happened yet. But when you look at the dynamics of it, it doesn't make sense to trade him to a small market team for a couple of decent prospects because he doesn't have that much control left. He's a free agent after 2024. So that scenario doesn't make sense. It doesn't make a ton of sense to trade him to a contending team for, say, a starting pitcher, because that's what our need is. I mean, if you're making a big deal, it's probably for a starting pitcher. And because if you trade... It, why would a contending team that's going for it want to give up a significant piece of their rotation? So it's just hard to make sense of the various scenarios here, which is why I'm, I'm calling the cops on it. But I will say this uh, of anyone on this podcast, I would probably be the least shocked if, if we're wrong and it does in fact happen. I, so as far as this is concerned, I don't think he's a trade candidate. If he does, like you mentioned, Terry, I would be incredibly shocked. So I will say I'm calling the cops on this. This would essentially almost guarantee closing the door about, you know, if there was ever a question, people are going to continue talking about it. Oh, did the Red Sox win this deal? Did we, did we lose this deal? This is going to forever, as I've mentioned multiple times before, this is going to be the guy that people remember as the one that was traded for Mookie Betts. We get rid of him we're left with, you know, just Connor Wong, who's just not getting it done. I mean, I don't know. I think it would just, it would hurt even more, but I like Alex Verdugo. I think he's fun. I think the fans love him. And I think the last thing this, this team wants to do is alienate its fan base even further um, than, than what it already has. So I'm going to say calling the cops, Terry. The other thing in the back of my mind, too, is eventually we have to not be so left-handed. You know, you look at Devers, he's not going anywhere. You look at Tristan Casas, unless like a trade from out of nowhere happens, uh, he's probably not going anywhere. 
Jaron Duran probably not going anywhere. Uh, and Masataki Yoshida will have four years remaining on his deal. That's four left-handers that are not going anywhere. So, I mean, he would be the odd man out in terms of, you know, team control. Like, the other guys are under contract for quite a while. So, that's the other thing that makes me think there is a slight chance it could happen. But, but you know, we'll see. Absolutely. We'll see for sure. I'll cut anything else you want to add. Right on. Well, that's going to do it for all of us tonight to all of our first time listeners and loyal listeners. We want to thank all of you. Everyone have a great night. Take care.